Chapter Nineteen of Peggy Raymond's Vacation. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nineteen, The Rescue. The picnickers had slept late. Elaine was the first to wake, and she lay for a moment staring at the tranquil sky above her, unable to understand why she was not viewing the ceiling of her bedroom on Friendly Terrace. Then recollection came and she raised herself on her elbow, just as Amy opened her eyes. "'Did Peggy call?' inquired Amy, stretching lazily. "'Is it time to wake up?' "'I didn't hear Peggy,' Elaine admitted. "'But I should say that it was high time for us to be stirring, unless we're going to spend the night here.' At the sound of voices, one sleeper after another gave signs of returning animation. Priscilla sat up languidly, glanced at the little watch she wore on a leather strap about her wrist, and uttered a surprised exclamation. "'Why, it's five o'clock! I thought Peggy said we were to start back at five. "'We've slept away all afternoon,' Amy commented in some vexation, as she jumped to her feet with an energy in striking contrast to her late lassitude. "'I don't see why Peggy didn't wake us. Perhaps she didn't know how late it was getting.' Priscilla, too, was on her feet. "'Peggy!' she called. "'Oh, Peggy!' and then stood listening vainly for the reply. "'She took Dorothy and went somewhere,' Amy explained. "'That was the last thing I saw. "'Oh, Peggy! "'Peggy Raymond!' Repeated calls were fruitless. "'Perhaps she went to the barn to see about the horses,' was Aunt Abigail's contribution to the jumble of suggestions, and Priscilla and Ruth promptly volunteered to test its accuracy. They found that the rheumatic old man had Nat and Bess already harnessed. "'Somebody said you wanted em for five o'clock,' he explained. "'Twasn't neither of you. A pretty girl in white.' "'Oh, yes, Peggy, but we can't find her. We thought perhaps she'd been down here.' As the rheumatic old man was unable to give them news of Peggy, the girls returned to their companions at a pace which unconsciously grew more and more rapid as they discussed the situation. "'Good joke on Peggy.' Ruth said with a little laugh, because she's always the one that's on hand no matter who's late. Yes, it's certainly a good joke on Peggy, and Priscilla also laughed with a determined heartiness. But with all her air of amusement, she was conscious of a vague uneasiness. Just as they reached the knoll, they were met by Amy and Elaine. She's out in one of the canoes, Amy said quickly, before the others could explain that their search had been without success. Oh! Priscilla's sigh was expressive of relief. "'Well, she'd better come in now. The old man has harnessed, and it's quite a little after five. "'We couldn't see her anywhere,' Elaine took up the story as Amy was silent. "'But one of the canoes is gone, so, of course, she's taken Dorothy for a little ride.' The girls were chattering like blackbirds as they went down the slope to the river, and Amy remarked that it was almost a relief to have Peggy behindhand for once. She had such a mania for looking out for everybody else.' The other girls contributed observations equally important, and each tried to hide from the others, if not from herself, the fact that her persistent and voluble cheerfulness was designed to silence the uneasy whisperings of an anxiety that was waxing stronger moment by moment. Aunt Abigail was standing at the water's edge, straining her old eyes this way and that. For the first time that summer she looked her full age. "'Call again, girls!' she commanded peremptorily. It isn't at all like Peggy to be so late and worry us this way. I don't like it. 
it was really a relief to have some one voice an anxiety so that they could all unite in demonstrating its utter unreasonableness but to relieve aunt abigail's mind they shouted in chorus peggy peg e raymond and heard as they listened the echo repeating their summons more and more faintly with each reiteration that was all no answering cheery hail no musical dip of the paddle in the stream it was during one of these tense moments of listening that elaine started violently and in spite of the sunburn which in her case had not had time to deepen into tan she turned pale instantly she was bombarded by excited questions what was it what did you see elaine why i guess it's nothing you look girls that dark thing on the water way over it isn't it can't be but it was an overturned canoe the rheumatic old man who had come up with the team towed it ashore in the wake of its sister bark as if in a dreadful dream the girls heard the quavering tones of the old voice his gray head shaking the while two of them you say the pretty girl in white and the little one and me a-waiting on for i don't know what it don't seem fair somehow it was ten o'clock that evening when jerry morton heard the news ill tidings travel fast even without the help of modern invention one of the snooks boys not andy but elisha an older boy brought the word and his manner was suggestive of a certain complacency as if he felt that his own importance was increased by his momentous tidings he found jerry sitting on the steps though it was long past bedtime his chin on his hand and his unblinking gaze fixed upon the stars as if he were trying to stare them out of countenance i don't believe you've heard about the drowning what do you mean jerry's head lifted yet his response was less dramatic than elisha had hoped for you know that raymond girl up to the cottage will she with a cry jerry pounced upon his informer the terrified elisha struggled to free himself gasping disconnected protest twasn't me i didn't do it snake river if you're lying to me warned jerry coming to his senses and loosening his hold you'll be sorry mighty sorry elisha crossed his heart in proof of his veracity and if you don't believe me go over to cole's and ask them the advice seemed good jerry took to his heels it was a mistake of course either one of lish snook's lies or else a mistake yet a horrible doubt rose in the midst of his assertions and confidence like the head of a snake lifted amid a bed of flowers at the cole farmhouse every one was astir mrs cole who had just returned from doolittle cottage and was going back to spend the night after attending to some necessary household tasks was crying softly as she worked and talked those poor children seems as if they couldn't take in what had happened they're dazed like the one that looks delicate ruth had a bad fainting spell and the plump little one she breaks down and cries every now and then the other two they sit around white and still not saying a word or shedding a tear tain't natural the lord meant tears to ease our hearts when the load's too heavy to bear it worries me when i see folks taking their trouble dry-eyed how are they going to let their folks know ma asked rosetta muriel her voice strangely subdued the sudden tragedy had stirred her shallow nature to its depths though a small mirror hung against the wall at a convenient distance she did not glance in its direction for an hour she had not smoothed her hair nor pulled her ribbon bow into jaunty erectness 
nor indicated by any other of the familiar forms of self-betrayal the all-absorbing importance of her personal appearance her hands lay idle in her lap and her face was pale under her dishevelled hair joel drive over to the station with a telegram the first thing in the morning mrs cole replied we could telephone by going to corny lee's but i don't know why the poor souls shouldn't have one more night of quiet sleep for they can't take anything earlier than the morning train anyway and besides a telegram kind of brings its own warnings but to go to the phone when the bell rings and hear news like this must be more than flesh and blood can bear her gaze wandered to the boy standing by the door you'll go over with the rest of the men in the morning won't you jerry she asked i guess there won't be many sleeping late to-morrow jerry had refused a chair but had stayed on listening to such meagre information as was to be had the discovery of the overturned canoe and later of peggy's hat stained and water-soaked as to the cause of the catastrophe no one could be sure though mrs cole hazarded a guess that little dorothy was as full of caper as a colt and anything as ticklish as a canoe ain't safe for a child of that sort looking at jerry the good woman was almost startled by the drawn misery of the boy's white face she had not credited him with such keen sensibilities you'd better go home and get to bed jerry she said kindly the men are going to start as soon as it's light enough and you'd ought to get a good sleep first jerry slipped through the door without replying indeed he had hardly spoken since he had uttered his threat against lish snooks as he stepped out into the night he began to run though his face was not set toward home and his confused thoughts recognized no especial destination but fast as he ran the realization of what had happened kept pace with him and when at last he tripped over a tangle of vines and went sprawling he made no effort to rise but lay motionless his hot tears falling on the grass he could never tell her that was the bitterest drop in his cup of grief the words he might have said yesterday could not be spoken now it had been in his power to make her glad to bring a sparkle into her eyes he had had his chance and refused it alas the sorrowful wisdom that one day had brought a wisdom that had come too late for him to profit by it he did not know how long he lay there his tears mingling with the falling dew he struggled to his feet at last limping a little for the fall had been severe and went on his way still without conscious purpose and when long after a silvery expanse shone ahead of him he did not realize for the moment that his aimless wanderings had brought him to snake river he stumbled on till he reached the edge of the stream and saw the black shadow of the trees a dugout half filled with water for the first time in his night of wandering a vague purpose took shape in his throbbing brain this was snake river and here was his boat awaiting him he would take it and drift down the stream meeting the men in the morning there was no moon but the night was clear and starlit and except for the shadows cast by the trees on the bank the river looked a luminous highway though he did not know the hour he felt sure that it could not be long before the east began to grow light with the first promise of the sunrise it would not be worth while to go home he fell to bailing the awkward craft and found a certain relief in the necessity of methodical work the water trickled in again to be sure but less rapidly than he could empty it out he plugged the largest crevice with his handkerchief untied the rotting rope and pushed out from under the shadows into the centre of the stream 
then he let the current have its way using an oar now and then to keep the dugout from floating ashore or going aground on one of the numerous islands which started out of the water as if to bar his progress except as he roused himself for this purpose he sat huddled on his seat without moving his head resting on his folded arms the birds discovered that the morning was coming before jerry found it out jubilant notes of welcome to the new day sounded above his head he straightened himself and made an effort to throw off the lethargy which had succeeded his paroxysm of grief the horizon in the east was banded with yellow and overhead the sky blushed rosily he looked about him and tried to locate himself guess i must be just back of denby's farm yes that's their windmill i'd better row a while i'm a good way from pine Knoll yet again he bailed out the boat and took up the oars the dugout moved ahead like a plodding farm horse that feels the spur and responds reluctantly morning was coming as radiantly as if there were no sorrow in the world with dull incredulity jerry watched the sky kindle and the earth flash awake it hurt him all this glow and sparkle this sweetness in the air and the sound of the birds singing he thought how peggy would have loved it all and his throat ached and he lifted his hand to his eyes to clear his vision then he pulled hard on his left oar for the current was swinging him around toward a little island that rose suddenly out of the mist like an apparition all at once a figure stood out against the tangled green a slender figure in white jerry dropped both oars and put his hands before his eyes when he looked again the vision had not vanished its hand moved in an appealing gesture jerry found himself rowing frantically a hope in his heart so like madness that he dared not let himself think what it was that he hoped for the dugout crashed against the willow where peggy had tied her canoe the afternoon before and in the unreal light of the dawn a pale tremulous peggy stretched out her arms with a cry oh it's jerry oh jerry how came it to be you it had been a night of weeping for many but peggy's tears had waited till now oh such a time jerry the canoe tipped over and spilled dorothy into the river and i don't know how i ever got her out and then we couldn't get away and i screamed till i was hoarse but nobody came oh jerry i'm so glad jerry's answer seemed a trifle irrelevant but he said the things he was certain could not be postponed another instant look here i'm going back to school i've been a coward just like you said but now i'm going to start out same as david did and stick to it like that other fellow i forget his name and say i'm i'm sorry he was out of breath when he finished as if he had been straining every muscle to raise the weight crushing overwhelming that had been lifted from his heart they picked up dorothy without awaking her and jerry pulled hard for the bank we'll go straight through the woods there's a house not quarter of a mile back probably they'll all be up and around you see the men were going to start early this morning so's to so's to jerry floundered his pale face suddenly flushing scarlet and peggy understood oh jerry her voice dropped to a shocked whisper oh jerry they thought we were drowned then she uttered a little pained cry and at home too do they know joe is going to telegraph first thing this morning he mustn't peggy cried fiercely i can't bear it i won't bear it to have mother hurt so unconsciously her arm tightened about dorothy till the child roused with a little cry jerry looked at the sun i guess we'll be in time to stop him he reassured her don't you fret and then as the boat bumped against the bank here i'll take the baby 
jerry's conjecture proved correct there was a light in the kitchen of the farmhouse where the farmer's wife was preparing breakfast for the men hurrying through their morning tasks to be ready for the sombre duties awaiting them at the sight of jerry with dorothy in his arms and peggy dragging wearily behind the men guessed the truth and the trio was welcomed with such shouts that dorothy woke up in earnest as for peggy she could hardly keep back the tears at the rejoicing of these total strangers over the safety of dorothy and herself jerry had thought this problem out in the toilsome climb from the river say i want the fastest horse you've got they're going to telegraph this morning to her folks and i've got to stop em the farmer nodded comprehendingly i've got a three-year-old that's a pretty speedy proposition ain't really broken though think you can manage him son of course i can in his newborn zeal for atonement jerry felt himself equal to the management of an airship the three-year-old was accordingly interrupted in her breakfast expressing her dissatisfaction by laying her ears close to her head and as she was hurriedly saddled jerry said you'll get em home as soon as you can won't you i guess by their looks they're pretty near beat out we sure will the farmer cleared his throat for his deep voice had suddenly grown husky driving the two of em home alive and well is a good deal pleasanter job than i'd bargain for this morning now look out for this here vixen he continued dropping suddenly from the plane of sentiment to the prosaic levels for she'll throw you if she can and while peggy was making an effort to eat the breakfast the farmer's wife insisted on her sharing a clatter of hoofs under the window told of jerry's departure End of chapter 19